0: Hello, uh, my name is uh, Yosap. I am the other, other pastor here at our church. Uh, there's three of us, and we have Rebecca, who's directing our minis. Uh, it's, it's such a pleasure and a joy to serve with them. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, I also want to take this time to say welcome to all of you. And if you're new and you're visiting, a uh, special welcome. I got to meet some new friends here today, uh, and it's been just incredible, and we're so blessed to see uh, God is constantly sending people to His church And uh, we really hope that you'll continue to grow with us. Um, You know, we recently just uh, finished our Revelation series, and Pastor Andre two weeks ago kind of kicked us off into our new series, which we're doing uh, a sermon series on James. And uh, uh, you know, Pastor Andre introduced uh, the the beginning half of chapter one, and today we're going to kind of focus on uh, James chapter one, verse 19 to 27. And, um, and before I explain about what we're going to go in about the sermon, uh, let's read this part together. This is the best part. We get to hear the Word of God the way that it is. So, church, will you hear the Word of God? Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, unstained from the world. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You know, uh, today as we you know uh, kind of really unpack verses 19 to 27, uh, the three points that I'm gonna be going over with you all is um, the view of what it's like to be self-centered, a life where you're self-centered versus a life where we're centered around the word, we're word-centered. And uh, the third point I'm just going to be talking about the goodness of this word, okay? So, uh, church, will you bow your heads and will you pray with me? (sighs) Father, we thank you so much for your good word. And in your good word, we learn and see of all your good deeds and your faithfulness. And it's not just a history lesson, but we get to then experience that you're doing this continually today and you're active in our lives As we got to hear Harvey's testimony, you are active in moving in and within us. So Father, we thank you. And today, Lord, as we continue to hear your word, if there are those out there who have been just hearers but not doers, um, Lord, would you plant in our hearts that uh, we would not settle for something just hearing, but we would take part and this great salvation story that you are working in, and the calling that you have for us, that we may build your kingdom. And as Christy was leading us, that we would love you most and love each other. So Lord, we ask you for your help, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, Um, I was going to not preach with my sling on, but um, uh, when I was taking it off and I just kind of like, held my arm up with my own strength. It didn't hurt, but they said that it was bad for my healing. So I kind of got set back, and uh, my PT and yeah, the people who really cared about me really rebuked me, so I'm keeping it on. And for those who don't know, I just had shoulder surgery, but I hope it won't be distracting. <laughs> um, you know, As we go into this uh, book of James, as we continue to do so, like, we hear in the beginning part of James that trials test our faith. It's a hard thing, it's a difficult thing, it's an uncomfortable thing, but it's a good thing. And, um, and when we are steadfast during these trials, uh, there's this blessing, I feel like, and this knowing that our faith is tested, and the fruit that is of this is showed when we are holding on to the truths and promises of God. That's what pulls us through, even when it's difficult. I always, always taught a really good way of getting to know somebody, like you know, or a, a part of somebody, is pay attention, like go eat with them, and how they treat people who serve is a really good way to see what a person is like. So if they treat a waiter or a waitress like really rudely, uh, it's like a yellow flag, right? Uh, you want to treat them well, but it's a really good way to see. But if you wanted to see how someone is like spiritually. Um, I think it's really tested or it's visible and seen when they go through a really difficult time. Yeah? Um, another, like, uh, you guys ever play, like, board games or video games or sports with someone, too? Like, anything competitive with the winner or loser? That's also a really good way to see what a person is like. Um, my wife is really competitive. <laughs> uh, I, I used to be competitive, but then... I think I just accepted the fact that I'm not in my 20s anymore, so I've calmed down a lot. Uh, but it, it does show a lot about, uh, about each other, right? But spirituality tested when we go through these really tough times. And I think Job is a really great example in our Bible. Job is a great man. God you know, defines him as there's no one like him, he's so faithful. And he suffered all these terrible loss and, 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 these, you know, and these terrible things happened to him. And you know what? Job does a really good job holding on to and kind of guarding his faith for a while. And at the end, after his friends speak, he finally kind of crumbles at the end. And he's like, yeah, I, I don't know why all of this is happening. God, like why? And he kind of questions God. And uh, and God responds to him pretty pretty strongly. But um, but the more a person lives where you are the center of your life, the quicker we are in responding when things get tough. Uh, with uh, you know we defend ourselves with our words. Like what are you talking about? What I'm not like that, right? And if the accusations and the diff- situations get more difficult. Um, aren't they quick to anger? Job was a good man, so he lasted a long time. But if you live a life where you're self-centered, the true nature of that person tends to be revealed rather quickly. Um, I think uh, from what I've seen, a a person who's self-centered, they're quick to anger. And the things that they usually think about and ponder is, how can this happen to me? Why did you do this to me? And they close their ears, they close their eyes and they don't want to hear any excuses or explanations and they spew you know, uh, languages um, that are hurtful um, and, and, and they display their anger to show that they're hurt and they're upset. How dare you do this to me? And sometimes we even say this to God. God, how can you let this happen to me? And we can point to God and we can blame him. Right? And these thoughts creep up, right? When you blame God, you're like, you know what, God? Maybe you're not as quite powerful as you say you are because you didn't stop this from happening to me. Or maybe, God, you don't really love me that much because these things are happening to me. Or if we really go down that rabbit hole, some people come to a conclusion of, or you know what? Maybe, God, you don't really exist. A self-centered person can respond rather quickly and feel this way. And if you're a self-centered person and you're powered by this, this kingdom and this life that you're trying to build up, what, do you, what does this person build up? Man, I want to build up my life, my career, my reputation, you know, my comfort, I want to have nice things. I want to try to obtain the prizes of this world. And if anyone, or not even a person, but some kind of event take place where this is threatened, this thing that I'm building up, oh, you better believe it. It's personal because you're messing with my baby, my world. This person goes from someone who is seemingly just minding their business and building up their world, and you touch it, and they're triggered. Triggered. And they say, now you got to face the wrath, the demon that's within me. And I'll do whatever it takes to bring some kind of justice for myself. And I think a good way to visualize a person who is living a self-centered life is like someone who is at the edge of a cliff. You might be able to stand there a long time, but just a small gust of wind a small push is all it takes to take everything away. When you read verse 26 with me, it says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. If you think you're religious because you go to church and you listen to sermons and you help maybe with the media or you teach Bible study at church, but you can't even control your tongue, How you speak, what you say to one another. I don't know if you guys are like this, but for me, I was nice to a lot of people, but you know who I was not nice to? My mom. If anyone heard the way I used to talk to my mom when I was in high school and college, uh, I'd be really embarrassed. couldn't control it. But if you can't even control your tongue. your religion is useless. Not to say the religion of your church or Christianity, but whatever modified version of religion that you're following has no power because it doesn't even have an effect in how you speak. Today, you know, as we go into James 1, I'm going to be jumping to Matthew 7. Uh, If you go to Matthew 7, 15 to 16, it says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves you will recognize them by their fruits. These are like outside things, right? These wolves who dress like sheep's clothing and they like preach these false teachings, uh, they're outside things. And you can choose to listen to them or not, but it's outside things um, that you're exposed to. But today in Scripture, what we're focusing on is what is the inside thing? And the inside thing, I think, is this. It's you if you you dress as something else throughout the week, but on Sunday, you put on a sheep costume. Sheep clothing. This is something from within. And when you do this, and this is your religion, where you're something else, you're not this transformed being that God wants you to be, but you just put on sheep clothing and you come to church, and that is your religion, and you think that that by doing that, it actually makes you a sheep. The Bible says what? You're only deceiving yourself. Or maybe some of us think, well, I'm part sheep. I have sheep attributes, or I do sheep things. And it's meant to be so much more than that. Are you someone who is something else, and then on Sunday, you put on sheep clothing and think, That's what this is all. It's meant to be. It's not. The Word of God says in James 1, 22 to 24, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. You're deceiving yourself if you're only here, and you don't do, and you put on these different outfits. It's not whether you consider yourself religious or not that matters, church. It's how you live and what you live for that matters. It's not what you consider yourself to be or what you show to other people what you claim to be. But it's how you live and what or who you live for that really matters. Jesus says very similarly, you know, we just read in James, be, don't just be hearers but be doers. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 26 to 27, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on a sand, and the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. A self-centered person has everything to lose when something, it's like a house of cards, it can be blown away so easily. But because we identified with it, and we worked so hard on it, and that was our idol, truly, it is a great fall, is it not? But going back to James 19, 20, it says this, But know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And I want to focus on this, slow to anger. Another translation here is slow to wrath. Scripture says to be slow to wrath because a self-centered person's wrath is only there for one reason, to protect my precious me. I want to ask, you know, have any of you displayed any kind of wrath recently? Do you remember what it feels like? I do. I remember some of the things that I said to Janie when I was going through a really hard time and in my whole identity things, but it kind of felt like an out-of-body experience during this time of wrath. Like I feel like I'm not myself and I'm like kind of hovering over myself, but I just can't control it. All filters are gone. Terrible things have been said. I didn't get to this level. But if I stay there, you know, I've seen people throw things, maybe even at a person. Um, And if it gets real bad, people who you claim to love, they get hurt. And sometimes they're even killed. The fruit of wrath, destruction. And there are levels to this. And I remember flirting with wrath. But... I noticed this as well. When I was flirting with death and I was going through these tough times, once I hit kind of like level one wrath, it didn't take that much more to get me right back there. It took less. And you can build and build and build. And if that is not addressed, the longer we deceive ourselves to think that things are just going to get better because right now it's calm. We're not fighting anymore right now. It's calm. And we leave it. If this sounds like you, my friend, you are not in a good place. I was not in a good place when I was there. So what should I do if I'm struggling with self-centeredness, if I'm struggling with my wrath, if I'm struggling with, and I'm I'm deceiving myself with these like sheep costumes that I'm putting on and and whatnot? Um, Verse 19, be quick to hear. Hear what? Hear the word of God. I know we just said, don't just be hearers, but it starts with that. Hear the word of God. Hear the word of God that is good, that is true. Hear and seek wise counsel from people who are in the word of God. Hear these things. And stop, it says slow to speak, stop defending your anger. Stop defending yourself from others or even defending yourselves from your own self. Stop deceiving yourself. Just pause for a moment in all of this self-centered life that you're in the middle of and just consider this. There just might be another thing that we can be centered on and something that's better than being self-centered. Just consider that there might be something better than being self-centered, that there can be something else more profitable, more fruitful, more better to be centered on. And if you can get to this thought and this, this point, um, I think you've reached a certain level of meekness and humility. And now the word of God through hearing can take root. If you feel like this is me, there's this wrath and this anger and, oh, why are people trying to take away the things that I'm trying to build up? Just consider that there could be something better. And from hearing, let the Word of God take root. And when the Word of God actually takes root in your heart, things start to change. They do. And they become noticeable. But I think a good question to ask right here is, well, why do they start to change? This, this word that takes root in my heart, why, why does it start to change? Uh, verse 21 tells us why. You know, after you put away the filthiness and rampant wickedness and you receive with me- meekness, with humility, the implanted word rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. We change because we get humbled by, man, I've tried it my way, I've done this and this and this, and it was never... S- Fully satisfying. It never fulfilled me. And then we have the aha moment. You know what? Even if I do accomplish all the things that I want to build up in my self-centered life, I'm still going to die one day. And I'm not going to get to keep it all for all eternity. Right? I think there was like the popular saying, uh, there was never a funeral with like a U-Haul attached to the back of it. You don't take what you got here with you to heaven. And when you get to that point, you're like, huh. So even with all of that, there's death. And the record and the history and the record of death is it's impressive. Right? Everyone dies. No one's figured out how to defeat that. I don't think I will. And we realize I need a savior. How am I going to cross that one? And when we realize, I need a Savior, I think this is when the gospel of Jesus Christ really takes hold. And we start to change. And that's how we're changed. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ who defeated death on that cross. And it is not some extra effort of ours or some extra service we fit into our schedule. It's only by His blood. Someone who is centered on the word understands this and then is in all of this. And from that place, we can't help but live differently. When you read verse 25 with me, it says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, perseveres. There's a shift here in verse 25, right? We're no longer just hearers of the word, but what, what happens? What's the shift? but we become those who look into the perfect law. We become those who dive into the word now. Now we're not just listening, but we're diving into the law. We're diving into the word. Word Word-centered living. Guess what, church? Reads the word of God rather than just listen and hear. And I testify with my whole heart that the more I read the Bible, the more I realize how far I strayed from this perfect law, But the one who saved me kept all of it. It's really incredible. Jesus becomes more and more beautiful the more I read the word. Jesus is not just something that I kept hearing in my childhood oh, he's a hero and he sacrificed himself for you. And he's not just this, like, you know, like this good thought in my head. But we actually start to experience and see the beauty of Jesus Christ his power, and even his glory. And from looking into God's word, we see a beautiful Savior. And uh, Christy said it before. What's his first commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says to love each other. And then he says what? Go and make disciples. Now, We want to because his goodness becomes personal. We want to do these things because now we have experienced his goodness and it's real to us. But God is too good to leave it all up to us, isn't he? No, he leads us. He moves. He gave us his Holy Spirit. Notice that Jesus did not say that the greatest commandment was do a lot of things and work for God. It's just to love him. And by loving God, what do we do? We are zoomed away from the self-centered lives that we have been living in. but We come across Christ in a very intimate, powerful way. And what does Jesus reveal to us? Verse 27 reads what? Um, Religious that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. While Jesus was so merciful and gracious to save someone like me, while in my self-centeredness, I couldn't care for anyone else when I was tested and when I was hurt because I'm trying to protect what I've been trying to build up. And, <clears throat> and when I'm not going under those trials and when I'm being self-centered and, and everything is fine, uh, guess what? I'm too busy to look to anyone else or care for anybody else because I'm busy building this thing. But what's so beautiful about verse 27 is this. God does not miss one. Not even the ones who are the most neglected and forgotten by the world. Orphans and widows. And God is actively shifting our eyes from us focusing just on ourselves but he shows us the beauty of the gospel and also the reach of the gospel. How far the gospel can reach. To the ends of the earth, the gospel goes. But even to the children who are abandoned by their own parents. And widows, who oftentimes people view as, yeah, but they got to live their life. They got married. And sure, their spouse died, but you know they got their shot. But even to them, you know, who tend to grow old alone and die. The gospel reaches far, and God calls us to remember this and be active in this. Isn't that beautiful? The power and the reach of the gospel. God does not miss one, not even the most forgotten, neglected, the lonely. Going back to Matthew 7, 25 says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. When we are centered on the word of God, We are no longer enamored by the things of this world and even something so precious as the life that he's given us because, you know, it's hard, even as a Christian, when someone I love gets really sick or someone passes away, it's hard. But even those things, I still hold on to hope. Why? Because God, it is God that holds even those things together, things that are too big for me. He holds it together. You know, I think we can know that the best is yet to come because uh, we have experienced it for ourselves. When you experience the perfect love of God and you see His steadfastness, and you see that He sent us His Son, the spotless Lamb, and He warns us: the storm will come. The storm come. The, the storms came for both houses, but in the end, God's promises that His kingdom will reign, and all things will be restored. Church, I don't know about you. But this gives me so much relief. I I mean, for me, like when something's wrong, like I really want to try to fix it. But this this gives me so such a relief because uh, it's not up to me to you know uh, to create this so-called temporary perfect world around me. But I can take part in this greater calling, where in the end it's God who's bringing all things together. And I know if it's God putting all things together, it's going to be quite amazing. I'm going to give a shout-out to, you know, mankind, humankind. We are capable of building a lot of amazing stuff. Like Elon Musk is doing some crazy things, right? Uh, You know, Amazon has brought us such a convenience in our lives. There's a lot of great things that people came up with and we made, but, man, it's not going to be anything compared to what God does, what he's going to complete. In church, you know, um, I find a point, and I'm going to close with this. At no point in this sermon did I want to focus on being doers of the word and not just hearers, by just adding more of our own efforts and services. I did not want to preach that message. Why? Because if that's the approach that we try to take, you or I will fail. Imagine having a baby and loving parents. And then picture another family where there's a baby and not so loving parents. The way that this child grows up and the experience of this child would be very different. Will it not? Right? Um, Let's take it even further. Imagine there's a child and their parents abandon them. I can't even imagine what that would be like to grow up without knowing who your parents are. And you feel something must have been wrong with me for my own parents to abandon me. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But it just shows how a person grows up with what circumstances and what is pouring into their lives. It matters drastically. But let's go to the good parents. So uh, you go to the kid with the good parents. Uh, What is the baby really doing? in this relationship. They're giggling. Sometimes, oh, they had a stomachache, they need to change their diapers, or so they're uncomfortable, so they cry. But it's the parents that's doing most of the hard work. They're providing food and shelter, they're working, they're changing diapers, they're waking up late at night. Um, and if anything, the baby's just kind of absorbing it and just kind of basking in the goodness of the love of their parents, right? And as the child gets older, uh, the parents start teaching you what not to do. You know, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You'll burn yourself. Don't stick things into the outlet. It's very dangerous. So we plug it up with these plastic pieces. You know, don't run into these corners. So we put these like foam and we protect the house, right? And why do the parents tell the kids not to do these things? Why? Because they love him and they don't want him to get hurt. And the Bible gives us instructions today too, right? Get rid of the filthiness and the wickedness and the anger, And then the child gets older, and when a child respects and loves their parents, what do they do? They continue to live in such a way. But what happens when a child does not love or respect their parents or fear their parents? A parent will say, oh, make sure you go to class and study hard. They're hearing the parents, but they cut class and they do something else. The fear of the parents and the love of the parents is so important. The doing that the Bible is telling us, be doers of God's word. How much doing are we really doing? And I want to give you this example. My wife is pregnant right now. Very early, but she's pregnant. And this is what she does. She eats and she sleeps a lot. And I don't say that as a knock. She should. There's a life growing in her stomach. But you know what God is doing? God is putting together a DNA, character traits, forming the fingers, the eyes. God's doing all the miraculous things. Janie and I, as parents, were participating. I'm much more or less participating than Janie because it's her body. But it's weird. I've been nauseous the whole time she's been pregnant. It's just it's weird. I'm like Googling it. Why does the husband get nauseous sometimes? But I'm glad I can be at least a part of the experience by getting nauseous. But really, what are we doing? We're in it for the ride and we're resting, we're eating, we're doing our part. But all the miraculous, beautiful things, it is God who's forming it and doing it all, isn't he? A lot of the doing that we must do comes in the beginning part of our faith. And it's this church. Reflect on yourself. What are you centered on? Ask yourself that. What do you do with a lot of your time? Where do you spend a lot of your money? What do you talk about? Christy's worship leading was perfect. She said, when was the last time and how many times do you say I love you to Jesus genuinely throughout the week? What are you centered on? Be self-reflective. Understand your nature, your habits. And then when we come to a place where we realize, man, we need saving, experience the beauty of Christ, and seeing that great power reach, God calls us to partner with him. The goodness of God's word allows us to strip down, naked. I don't have to put on a business suit and pretend to be successful. I don't have to put on my sports uniform and pretend like I'm athletic or put on whatever, but I can come to him as I am. I don't have to put on my, she- my fake sheep clothing, but he prepares this white robe for us and he says, you are more than just sheep. You are my son. You are my daughter. That is the goodness of God's word, but it doesn't end there. Because God then continues to reveal the current work that he's doing even till this day to reach even the orphans and the widows and he calls us to go out and to care for them as well. And the goodness of God's word reveals that God has always been, always been a doer of good. And he is for us, not against us. When God says he loves you, he means it. And you look at what he did, he went all the way, did he not? He gave us his son. And you know what, church? That would be more than enough for me. Wow, God, you did all of that. But I think another thing that is the goodness of God's word is that it reveals the depth of Jesus' beauty. And you know what? Uh, There was not a moment where I felt like I kind of reached to the end of understanding the beauty of Jesus Christ and the beauty of the gospel. The more I read and the more I'm in it and the more I sometimes even even wrestle with it and sometimes I have a little setback, you know, it's like I had a setback with my shoulder. I have setbacks too. But man, the more that I'm in it, it's just even deeper and deeper. And all along, while God is doing all these miraculous things, He's leading me. He's leading you. Mosaic, who here is tired of just being a hearer and not being a doer of God's Word? I encourage you, there is a better way to live better thing to be centered on, and it's firm, it's good, and faithful, that's found, faithfulness that is found in God's Word. Church, let's pray. Father God, um, we thank you so much for your Word today. and I pray and I rebuke that if anyone hears this as, then go out and do more and win the favor of God, I rebuke that message because that's not your gospel message. But Your gospel message is Lord, you do all the miraculous thing, you do all the heavy lifting, you bid us to come near to you. And when we come face to face with our good Father, our humble King, our loving Savior everything changes and it's not out of duty or a payback that we do these things for you but we can't help but be convicted and eager to see as you see and love and try to love as you love we thank you that your gospel does not neglect even the orphans and the widows does not neglect us who are can be so stiff necked and stubborn and self-centered but by hearing dissolve our hearts our paradigm of me 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 and from hearing help us to be humble and meek, implanted in the word saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and from there we dive into your word deeper and deeper and we dive into a relationship with you and we dive into a relationship with our community and then you send us when it's time who knows where and what you send us to but we know it's going to be good help Mosaic and all those who are here today who hear your word to be doers of your good and perfect word We thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name.